Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hello and welcome to the Indie Incursion Podcast, your weekly podcast all about indie games and their creators on occasion when I'm not lazy. It's super exciting. Yeah, I I really love uh, being a lazy person. Of course, I'm one of your hosts, Vaughn Hyde, alongside the big Josh Bully. Ooh, nice. That was a a long one there. Yeah, it was exciting. I know. (laughs) It's always exciting when Josh Boy's in the house. I hate that I keep saying exciting. I think there's been several podcasts where I've said it several times within the first, like, five minutes. I mean, this game, this game, (laughs) this game, I don't know what the fuck's wrong with me. This show is just exciting, you know? You gotta gotta hype the crowd up, all right? You gotta give them something to, to really grab their attention at the start. So just exciting, you know? And it's not false advertising since it's, the podcast is legitimately exciting. It's true. 100%. Yeah. Five out of five doctors agree. Really? Yeah. Doctors of all people. All right. Doctors. Like Dr. Dre. He's like an audio doctor. Oh, hell yeah. Dude, about. if Dr. Dre oh, was yeah. listening to me, I'd be so fucking hyped. That guy, he knows his shit. Fucking <laughs> music man. Fucking so good. Anyway. Uh <laughs> So on this week's podcast, we're going to talk about Beat Saber, some Beat Saber news. Oh, uh, Blood speaking Saint of Dr. Christine Dre, Moon. Oh, come on, man, you gotta you gotta get on those transitions. <laughs> well, I'm not I'm not trying to transition a video. I'm just talking oh, about on, you. You can't, you can't drop that. All right, anyway, go go go. And we're also talking about No Man's Sky, Dead Cells, and all sorts of other indie games and news. But first, I want to ask you, Josh, what have you been playing this week? What have I been playing? Well, uh, a lot more of what we talked about last week. So I finished SteamWorld Quest, and uh, I tweeted at you, um, so you already know this, but one of the things that I was interested in, we were talking about, oh, SteamWorld Quest, it takes so long. How do people beat it so quick? And I ended up beating it in 16 hours, which was much lower than the different people that you were like, freaking out yeah. about so you i was like 16 hours so i was like what the fuck yeah so <laughs> i like i beat it on the normal difficulty because there's three difficulties and i always pick usually normal just because i didn't want to rage but i i feel like i should have because honestly at the end of the day i never died like there was never a game like i don't know what the game over screen looks like so i probably should have had it at the harder difficulty but i didn't know um but like i went through it and at the end it would i had the 16 hour log time and i was like oh shit and i was like this is a lot quicker than i thought it was supposed to be because you you like hyped me up for it because you were like yeah there's gonna be like 22 hours or something from like the person who reviewed it from handsome phantom and i was like oh okay good i'm at like 12 hours so i got plenty of time left to play this game and like four hours later and i'm done and i was like oh Never you got mind. Fucked. You're like, wow, false advertising. <laughs> I was like, you motherfucker. Um, but no, it, I, I definitely, so I'm writing up my review right now. I'm actually thinking of doing a video review cause I got to stop being lazy. Um, but I, I honestly like throughout everything, there's little things here and there that I wasn't too crazy about, but overall it's a solid game, man. It's, it's really good. I, like I said last week, I recommend it to anyone who's into RPGs or card-based battle games, um, but not only 
to those individuals just because of the way they do um the mechanics for it it's it's like i said very rpg light-esque but not in a way that like waters it down but in a way that makes it more inviting to those who maybe aren't seasoned veterans to the series um or not series but that style of gameplay um there's some things i wish uh that could be incorporated a little bit more. One of my favorite parts of it was at the end, there was a um, like an arena battle where you would have to battle monsters back to back in these uh, just, you know, face challenge, face to face challenges where you would have basically five matches you would fight in a row and your health would be, you know, the same as you started from that last match. So if you made it through one of them, but then you get to the next and you get killed, then you would have to restart the entire, you know, arena. And in games, that's one of my favorite things is having those arena battles. And the reason why is because they'll do stuff like um, they had little challenge modes. So each card has a certain amount of energy that they'll use. They'll either um, add energy or they'll expend energy. And so like one of the arena matches was you can only have a pool of three energy. So it, it made your strategy change because I have usually a card that I run where it was like, I would build up all of my energy and you could have like 10 energy, uh, units. And then I would use a card that would expend all of them for like a times amount of attacks that they would do for that specific card. So I would basically just destroy people by, huddling up you know building my defenses making sure that i'm building up that energy and then unleashing it but that strategy was basically thrown out the window because now they basically shit all over that and they're like nope you can't use that so i had to change that up and it really forces you to change out your cards change out the style that you play and i wish they would have incorporated that more in not just the arena but the actual game entirely like i think they could have done that in each different chapter or each different level like have some kind of unique element to it as you get farther in i would have loved to see something like that to really push you to kind of experiment more but overall i had a blast playing it um and i definitely like i said recommend it so i thought i had i might have misled you but uh what the reviewer said for handsome phantom he contacted the uh the publisher or he contacted the developer image and form and spoke to their pr rep Mm -hmm. and they told uh he was like had his mind blown because apparently Kotaku finished it in 10 hours um, wow. and the PR rep said I'd be surprised if you could get through in less than 18 hours the dev team has almost universally taken 20 hours on the lowest difficulty and 25 on the hardest and then uh, we're talking about dev math um, mm. the reviewer then showed a screenshot of his amount of hours played and he did 20 hours but I also don't know what difficulty he played on right um and then he said uh, that he, uh, the dev sent him a message again saying, I think on the fast side, some people have completed it around 15 hours. So just okay. about the amount you have. Yep. Um, and it also said, I can only assume those who completed it even faster than that played on easy and rushed through everything. I know on my multiple playthroughs that I was only about halfway finished 10 hours. Yeah, they said the, the fastest first playthrough was 16 hours. Oh, see, look at me. Supposedly, so yeah. <laughs> apparently, you're you're about there. All right, yeah. speedrunner, here I come. Yeah, you're obviously a pro. I know. I'm gonna be in GDQ. Watch for my. I mean, uh, we've already like covered the fact that you are a pro gamer, dude. <laughs> yeah, we gotta I don't get know off why that. It's so surprising. <laughs> I would get shit on so hard by actual pros. <laughs> 
I should just message the the guy who reviewed it and be like, Josh says get good. You suck. Josh, that's how you didn't get <laughs> Josh it. Josh says get good. You'd be like, who? <laughs> just no context. Just Josh says get Josh good. Josh says it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Come at me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so games I've been playing this week, uh, I actually like for some reason just purchased a shitload of games for handheld so i ended up purchasing a ds Lite so that i could play um like non-region locked games because i bought a european version of a game called sola to robo uh, mm-hmm. because it was 25 dollars cheaper than Damn. buying it like yeah buying the english like american version so i purchased that and i well I bought the Solo 2 Robo a while ago, so I got a Nintendo DS Lite, and then I found a bunch of other old games that I wanted to play at uh, my local video game store, so I bought, like, I bought Robopon 2, I bought Shaman King, I bought, uh, um, what else did I buy? Wait, so you, um, so, so, so you bought it before you bought the DS Lite? Yeah. <laughs> it had really cool cover art. You mother... <laughs> Oh my god, what is... Although, I will admit, I did do that for a game back in the day. But still, I, okay, I know it's just because so, you buy everything on a whim. <laughs> I Yeah, I definitely do. So, what I do is, I'll go through my local video game store. If it's under $20, I don't really fret. If it's $20 and over, I give it like a week or two. And if it's still there, then I think I'm destined to have it. It's like Manifest Destiny. So, I just buy it. And then I was like, I don't know if I'm going to get to play it. Like, I don't know if I'm going to get to actually playing this right now. So then I, yeah, like less, probably a month later, I actually bought a DS Lite where I could play it. I'm going <laughs> to be really honest with you. I think you have a problem. I'm going to be really honest with you. I still haven't played it. Instead, I, I think played... you have a fucking problem. <laughs> <laughs> Instead, I played some Robopon 2. And I played uh, some Fossil Fighters Champions. This is a good game, dude. I feel like you're talking a different Fossil language. Fighters I have games. no idea what games you're telling me. <laughs> like, look them up. They're sweet. And then I also, uh, I, at Walmart, they had um, Puzzles and Dragons Z. Um, in like, So you could buy it on 3DS and then like a little... So it comes in a package that also includes, um, on the cartridge, it also includes like a uh, Mario Puzzles and Dragons kind of a deal. Um, so I purchased that, and I've been playing some Puzzles and Dragons Z, which has really cool, like, hand-drawn, like, art style. Um, but then it also has, in your overworld and everything, it's got this really, really beautiful, like, 16-bit art style. I really like it. It's a lot of fun. You and- it's if I'm being honest, it's a totally mediocre game. I just think it looks pretty. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like another thing you always do. You and Errol always make me feel like such such a shitty gamer. When <laughs> you guys can spout like so many weird fucking game names, and I'm always like, I have no idea what's going on right now. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just it's definitely a taste thing because you you pull out stuff like. Uh, um not fuck what am i even see i can't even think of the game's names right now like uh there are certain card games just naturally of course the biggest fan of card games ever um what is that one that you played that was like it was like a tower one and there was a heart yeah slay the spire you talked about like you've talked about a bunch of different indie games that i knew like nothing about but then i just find some like random ass fucking games in a local video game store so it's honestly the entirety of my discovery of video games is based on if it has cool cover art that's it Mm. yeah 
That's the secret. If you want me to, yeah. If you want me to buy a video game, just make sure it's got really cool cover art, and I'll be fine. I'll buy it. Didn't they ever tell you not to judge a game by its cover art? No, that's exactly what I do. I think that's That's a a saying, an ancient saying. See, I, I, I sometimes follow that, and then I buy a game like Elex, which has terrible cover art. It's balls. That's that sucks my dick and balls. It's a whoa. It's, it sucks. Yeah, that game sucks balls. Because have you ever played Elex? I have no idea what you're talking about. No. So it's made by it's developed by uh, Piranha Bytes, who also made the fuck. They made some other video game series that I cannot remember what it's called. God damn it. Uh, Gothic, Risen. Yeah, Risen is what I was thinking of. But yeah, they made Gothic and, and other things. So they made Elex. Um, and it's supposed to, like, its controls and everything, its difficulty settings are supposed to mimic, like, a Souls-like. Mm-hmm. But at times, it's incredibly easy. And at to other times, it's just fucking, like, it's not even, it's not, like, punishing to the point where you still feel like it's fair, like a Souls-like game. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. You know what's it's weird? It's like, okay, I'm dead. you know what's weird is i'm looking up and this is a little bit of a foreshadowing for our question i'm looking at online steam has it as mostly positive it's got like a 7 out of 10 but ign has marked this as a 4.9 yeah yeah it's a balls game it's sucks huge balls like they might have updated okay so yeah we'll, we'll get into this more mm-hmm. um when we get on to our review question especially because of like this week's event and elex actually ties into that so make sure you remind me yeah you're my new secretary okay Let's do that aye, aye, boss. Uh, <laughs> but i think it's about time we actually get into our first news story of today and stop talking about elex and just shitty games in general because this is a good game josh it's oh, a good one is it yeah, this is uh, written over on Polygon. It is by Owen S. Good, and it is Beat Saber ma- uh, makers celebrate birthday with early build for free. Free stuff is always nice. Yeah, I've heard that true. free stuff makes it better. Uh, a friend of mine, Avery, really likes free stuff. He hates coconut, but anything that's coconut that he gets for free, he'll eat, which I don't understand. It just blows <laughs> that's my oddly mind. Oddly specific that it. <laughs> It's because it happened yesterday. Oh, okay. I was like, <laughs> I was like, is and it today. only coconut stuff? Like anything else free he won't eat? It's just no. He also really hates mint. But once we went out to go get uh, lunch, and like uh, he got, he literally, it was kind of weird. He had said he hates mint. Mm-hmm. Less than like five seconds later, um, we had an offer from like the uh, one of the the employees of this restaurant that they accidentally made an additional mint shake. He mm-hmm. jumped on it. He was like, "I'll take it." And what then the whole fucking... time he was eating it, he was like, "This is so gross." And then he just kept eating it. What a fucking dick, <laughs> dude! That's like, what are you doing? He's taking my delicious mint shakes away from me by being so greedy. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, our first news story, Beat Saber, of course. So, let's get into this. Uh, the makers of Hit Rhythm VR game Beat Saber um, observed the first... and I, I really don't like it when they say observed. Because it always yeah. makes me think they, like, watched. I mean, you from, can like, watch a your corner. relationship from afar, you know? They watched their first anniversary with its lo- uh, like of its launch by making the, an early build free. Yeah, they watched think themselves that do it. They have eyes. Okay, that's. I guess that makes sense. Yeah, yeah they've got eyes everywhere. They're like the government it's or the Illuminati. <laughs> Beat saver for government. Beat saver for president. Twenty twenty. 
If anything, uh, Bead Saber for the Illuminati, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just checks out. That math adds up in my book. Who's voting um, for the Illuminati? I don't know. I don't think it's a democratic process. I don't think that's, I yeah, think I don't think that's how like, it works. Uh, it's it's about, like, you got to get the word out, and then the Illuminati sees that uh, Beat Saber, which I should be saying Beat Games, the developers Beat Saber, should then be the Illuminati, and then they induct them. That just makes sense. Hmm. All right. Well, this has been quite a tangent. Yeah, it checks out. Um, so the makers <laughs> released an early build available for free on Steam VR. Uh, the... I don't know. I lost my train of thought. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> the version that they released uh, the is called Beat Saber Origins. Uh, it's th- it it's a three-year-old build, and it represents the game after about a month of development. And its soundtrack consists of just one temporary song. Um, the uh, Beat Games said everything is a little bit rough around the edges, but the core is there, and the game is playable. Yeah. I mean that's that's pretty, that's much, pretty much all. Yeah. Yeah, they actually had to say. See, but I appreciate that uh that Polygon included more because it's not just like three lines of text. So, <laughs> thank you very much Polygon. I mean, it's not like we've you ever guys seen are that great before people. though, right? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so, have you played Beat Saber yet? I don't own a VR headset. I really want to get one specifically for Beat Saber because Dude. I think it'll make me less fat. Oh well, honestly, that's I've a, heard it's a really good, good good reasoning. Um, <laughs> because I mean, that's not the reason why, but I keep seeing Beat Saber. I don't know why. Like recently, I got into this big uh, long rant of like watching YouTube videos. It happens to me every once in a while where I just get on this like long trail and I'm like, well, I'm gonna watch this for like the rest of the night. Um, and I got on to watching. Do you know Crab Rave, the song? Totally. What? Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. Okay. <clears throat> so I love that song, and I was like, I wonder if there's I any was like joking, weird. By the way, I've never heard this song before. Oh, you're, <laughs> you're such a damn liar. <laughs> okay, when we're done here, listen to Crab Rave. It's amazing. Um, big, big popular internet thing. It's pretty stupid, but it's just a bunch of like 3D crabs dancing on a beach. Does it have anything to do with the N64 controller? Uh, no, not at all. <laughs> but it could. Weird. If uh, okay. someone you know edited it but i will not do that um anyway so i was i was listening to that and then i got on this weird tangent of someone playing it on beat saber and i was like oh that's so cool and then i just got on this weird tangent where i started watching people play beat saber and i was like this game's fucking crazy it's like it's weird to me because as a person who used to play a rhythm based game i used to play ddr and itg which is called in the groove so that's with my feet and it's basically the arrows coming up at, you know, intervals where I have to hit it based on the rhythm. And it was one of those things where, like, I would look at those arrows and I would look at that and I'd be like, yep, everything makes sense. My brain has, like, tracked everything because I've played it for so long. I've gotten so good at it. And people would always say to me, like, how could you possibly see these arrows? And I'm like, I don't know. It's just, it just comes to me. Like, my feet just move where they need to. Like, I don't even think about it. It's like a reaction. Yeah, it's just muscle memory. It's just muscle memory. Yes. I knew you'd catch me saying that. <laughs> <laughs> so my muscles are keeping up with what my eyes see, even though it's like not as good. But this is one of those things where I like, I got to experience that again because I'm just watching this and I'm like, how the hell do these people see this? It's like incredible the way like the arrows on the boxes are so tiny and they're just like nope i know where it is and they're just like smacking it and going crazy and it looks so freaking cool and i have a computer that can that can run vr 
I just haven't bought the headset because I'm cheap. But I, like, I keep watching these videos and I'm like, man, I really want to get Beat Saber. Like, it, Beat Saber is one of the reasons why I'm thinking of just getting uh, a VR set just for this alone. It's just because I want to get back into a rhythm-based game and I feel like this is a great opportunity just because of how cool it is that you could put any song in for like the PC version. If there's anything that I'm gleaming from the story you just told is that you're afraid to look like Star Wars Kid, dude. You just haven't bought it yet because you just don't want to don't look like a weirdo. <laughs> no, not at all. I was talking to my wife about it. I was like, look at this. Like, I was showing her because she doesn't know shit about games. And I was like, I was like, look, isn't this cool? Like, this is kind of crazy. And she's like, she's like, wouldn't you look like an idiot playing that? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> really like, They dumb. look like they're having seizures. And you're like, yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> she's like she's like what would that look like and i was like well you would basically see nothing but i would see everything and you would just see me flailing around <laughs> you just punch her in the face on accident I mean, like, oh my god domestic abuse comes in many forms that's true you uh, try to explain that to the cops you're like i accidentally punched her in the face while i was lightsabering boxes yeah and like, like i had to keep my combo up officer <laughs> I couldn't stop to make sure she was okay. She just had to take punch after punch. I thought I thought it was just a background drop of some woman screaming that they put in the song. It just that checks out. Really, I don't know why most people don't just use that. And then the cops are like, "You don't actually have Beat Saber," and they're like, "You got me. You got me." <laughs> I tried to fool you. Uh, no, I don't hit my wife, but um, I am. <laughs> Thanks for clarifying. Just to clarify. Uh, but I am super excited about this just because, like, it's. I think it's really cool when developers do this. This obviously means, like, nothing to most consumers because, like, who's really going to freak out about uh, a one temporary song in a buggy-ass, like, dumbed-down version of a product they already have? But I just think it's really cool for, one, uh, historical purposes of, like, seeing how things develop just because you get to see really where they started, where their roots were like a month in uh, of actually developing this. And just because for anyone who doesn't have Beat Saber, they get like kind of a version, like a, it's kind of like a demo into it just to see what it's like and to see kind of the mechanics and then being like, well, if any of this might be good, I might as well get the game because, you know, certain reasons that they fall in love with. Plus, it's just good, like a good tech demo for like the VR space anyway. Um, but I just think it's really cool because, you know, they didn't have to do this or do anything for their year anniversary. They could have just been like, yep, it's a year. Give us, you know, more money for more games, whatever. But it's just a, a little thing to keep them in the market loop and to keep people talking about them. Yeah, it's very exciting. Beat Saber has put out a lot of different stuff. Um, I'm wondering if this mode is going to come to PlayStation 4 since it's only, uh, it seems currently, it is only on the Steam version of the game, and I don't see anywhere in here where it says it's going to come to PlayStation 4. I don't, I don't think they would because realistically that build never had PlayStation in mind, and they would have to do a lot to get it up and running. I think this was probably just an easy, like, turn this into an EXE that, can be dumped into a file like i think they would have to do a lot more work to actually make it manageable on ps4 
Yeah, that is a good point. We've talked several times on this podcast about why things couldn't be ported to Switch, and it's because of control issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so I imagine, yeah, the the same exact thing does happen. Probably. <laughs> Can you imagine trying to do this with the Switch and like holding the fucking <laughs> the Switch screen to your head and trying to move around with the Joy Cons? <laughs> like that stupid elephant trunk thing that they're putting out. <laughs> yeah. That Labo kit that you can make into VR? Uh, yeah. So dumb. And everybody's <laughs> complaint is that it just doesn't have a strap. <laughs> I know. I feel like that would be so bad for your neck, though, if it had a strap. Yes. Yeah. it's like It looks like a 40-pound weight attached to your head. I mean, yeah. You'd have some, some strong neck muscles at the end. Or, I'm sorry, Dude, muscles. You can't see me, but my neck muscles are huge. Like, I've got a thick neck. It's huge. <laughs> I don't like the way you said that at all. <laughs> Speaking of not liking things, our next news story is over on Twinfinite. It is the uh, new Bloodstained Ritual of the Night trailer shows off improved graphics and gives us a release date. Um, honestly, I'm not going to relieve much. Uh, relieve? Fuck, dude. God damn it. <laughs> well, if anything. We to... just need to stop doing this podcast so early when I get home. I'm just a mush mouth <laughs> shithead. Need to work on those mouth muscles. Yeah, all the mouse muscles. Um, <laughs> so I'm not going to relieve. Fuck, dude. I said it again. <laughs> I'm not going to read a lot of this article. Uh, I'm just going to skip to the bottom. So the release date is uh, June 18th for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC via Steam and GOG. And you're going to have to wait an additional week on the Nintendo Switch, which is June 25th. Um, This game looks really cool. I'm actually very excited for it. And the new update looks so much better. People, like, uh, in the trailer that they put out, they call out a lot of comments that said Mm -hmm. that it looked like a bad mobile game. And I was like, oh, my God. It's so true. This game looked like dog shit. Yeah. Yeah, it was was weird. Like like I said before the, um, before we started recording, I, I never was like that into this game like i thought it would be cool and i was probably eventually going to pick it up but after seeing the the new ui not ui the new graphics to it like it does seem very into my play style and it just looks a lot nicer i and one of the things like if you haven't watched this video like you have to i loved the way they did it like just the trailer alone was awesome um the way (laughs) the way that when he was like um when the 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 tweet comes up that basically says this looks like poop. And so they have old versus new for like the majority of the video, but it starts out with new and poop on the other side as the <laughs> label. And it cracked me up. I was like, what? <laughs> but like, it, it definitely looks so much better. And I think this was a smart way to to basically market this. Because, like I said, for me specifically, I'm definitely backing this game now. Like, this is probably a day one purchase for me, just because of the hype trailer for it and the fact that it does look so much nicer. Yeah, it looks way nicer. I. It's so weird. If they put it out physically, it'd be a day one purchase for me. I have an issue with digital games where I generally don't purchase them day one because I just forget about it. It's so easy to forget about digital purchases for me. I don't know why. Hmm. I don't know. How do you usually get your physical copies? I just go to the store. I really like to go to stores and walk around. Do you put like a like a thing like a calendar 
like invite for yourself i see where you're going with this that i could just do the same calendar invite in my phone for digital versions of games but it's true you know we literally do a podcast on these video games like we could do that (laughs) on the moment that we're going through all this stuff you know it's pretty easy to do uh what we're talking (laughs) about i'm just saying i'm just so involved in the podcast i can't do anything else josh (sighs) really that's okay i can take some stuff off your hands So, Ritual of the Night uh, looks very, very good. Did you see that uh, IGN accidentally put out that, like, wrong tweet that said Bloodstained, uh, what was it, Symphony of the Night? Oh, no, I didn't see that. Yeah, and people were like, wait, is this on purpose or on accident? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if this is, like, an homage to Castlevania or if they just... If they did that on accident. They just didn't even realize. <laughs> Most <laughs> likely, don't. it's the latter. Um, there is some interesting like points uh, that apparently I think uh, where was this? There was somewhere that they were showing this game off, and apparently it was running a little buggy. Like the the actual dev version of it was uh, apparently overheating. So there is some concerns with that. Um, I think that was for the Switch version. I don't know if that applies to any of the others. But then there was also uh, their excuse was that all of the consoles were stored. And apparently it was just because they were overheating because they were stuck in that box or something like that. I don't know. But I assume that's specifically towards the Switch version. Um, I don't really know. We'll have to see. And hopefully that's not like a thing when it actually is released. Um, but there's actually, what I was surprised at, there's not like a lot of time before this is released. Like I wasn't expecting that whole revamp graphics wise and it's still being like, yep, it's coming to June. Like it's pretty close. Honestly, I think the the reason that, that's probably the reason that they brought WayForward on at, to help with development was so that mm. they could change the art style. Because That's of true. this major criticism. Because honestly, if it would have like released with that old art style, people would shit on it. Yeah, I'm sure. Even if it was uh, well-designed, I'm sure just the art from it would uh, make everyone hate it. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Uh, speaking of everyone hating things, our next news story is over on Polygon. It's written by Patricia Hernandez, and it is No Man's Sky Best and Brightest are Trying to Build a Perfect Colony. So I'd absolutely recommend you guys hop over to Polygon to read this out, um, just because we're not going to be going over the entire news article because there's a lot here. Um, I mean, they really didn't do a good job of like condensing this, but it is a fun read. So I definitely recommend it. Um, But so there's a collective of No Man's Sky players known as the Galactic Hub that got together to build like they they wanted to build a colony. Um, So they found this one planet, which is in like a hazardous zone, apparently. So uh, you actually like in these hazardous zones, you take damage while you're out just walking around and stuff like that. So you constantly have to revamp your shields. Um Unless, of course, you're inside your ship or inside a, uh, like, a vehicle of some kind, mm-hmm. then somehow you're just fine. I don't really know how that checks out, but <laughs> vehicle, I guess it does. It's got uh, force fields, you know? Keeps you safe. All right. It sounds like, uh, it just sounds like dumb, but... Sounds like so, dumb. <laughs> That's that tagline. 
So they call their colony Mount Loper, and it actually looks really cool. Um, these guys have already worked on, they've made like road systems, they've made all sorts of different uh, like plots of land. What they're actually doing is to build on this planet, which some people have been kind of dicks about, and they've just started building here anyway, which of course, these guys don't own this planet, so... It's not the worst thing that's ever happened, and it's not like they can change anything about it. Um, but you have to actually apply to build on this planet, and they have like an application uh, service that you go through. And supposedly they say later in the article that no matter what, you'll get approved. Uh, they're just doing that so they can keep track of all of the like colonials, all the people who are coming on to like into this colony and building. Um, but it's so cool what the No Man's Sky players are doing. I love this so much. I feel like every, like at least once a month we get some awesome story about the No Man's Sky community doing something fucking crazy. Yeah. Like I mean, the, the mapping black holes. Black holes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. I, I, so can you kill other players in this game? Okay, so that's what I was wondering because they said they couldn't do anything about it. I was like, why don't you just shoot him? Yeah, just shoot him. And- just kill that guy. Yeah, I mean, Shoot I guess him it's not the most shit. peaceful way of dealing with your problems, but <laughs> it's also a I video mean, game, so... if we're being honest, yeah, if we, like, colonized a planet and somebody tried to, like, touch down on that planet and just started building without asking us, we'd probably shoot them, so I mean, that just checks out. It's just role-playing, really. That is American history, so... Yeah, I mean, but instead, we, we came in colonized, yeah. and then we just shot the indigenous peoples. Well, so. see, that's the thing, is them not shooting them is they should know what happens right history <laughs> tends to repeat itself right so like, they are you be even careful. an american like you should know that i'm gonna shoot you i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna move in and i'm gonna shoot and take your land <laughs> see they're just they're just settling in so they can watch and have the colony build that nice nice network of homes and houses and whatnot and then they're just gonna swoop in yeah, there's, like, people creating, like, art galas, race tracks, all sorts of other, like, really cool stuff, not just, like, housing settlements um, inside Mount Loper, which, oh, it's just so awesome. Apparently, there's about 70 players uh, that are in the Galactic Hub. I guess that's supposedly the largest, like, community in No Man's Sky right now. Um, and I believe the only place that this is actually available is on PC and Xbox One. But the craziest thing about this, and, and just think about it, No Man's Sky has multiplayer right now, but they said they're like instituting basically like massively multiplayer with No Man's Sky Beyond. Mm-hmm. So you just imagine what kind of crazy shit is going to happen with Beyond. Like this is just with a small community, like relatively small community working together. Imagine what's going to happen when we have like thousands <laughs> of players working together. We're going to get stories every week that's just like, guess what? No Man's Sky is fucking a utopia. They found their first like crazy ass alien species like an Eve online. <laughs> I know. It's yeah. And people are fucking crazy, dude. <laughs> it seems so weird. I also, anytime this kind of stuff gets like put together, I'm always like, man, I accomplished nothing. Like, grant- yeah. granted, this is obviously in a video game, and it's not like they're you know doing something like massively out of the ordinary. Like people got together, and it is something that's insane. But like, it's it's still a big undertaking, and 
I'm always like, I don't have enough time in my day to do anything. And these people are like, let's build a society. Like, what What the hell? How do you have the time to do this? Yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. Um, so before we move on to the next story, I did want to just shit on somebody real quick. And I feel good because I don't think I've shit on a whole lot of stuff yet. I mean, I shit on Elex, but it's because it's, it's a piece of shit. So it's basically like, did I even do anything to it? No. I'm going to have to start getting a counter here for you. <laughs> for how many times I say how shit many? or just shit on things? The shit on things, yeah. Oh, okay. The word shit is fine. It's just how many times you shit on things. Oh, well, I mean, I just, I, eventually I'm going to try to like break a record. Oh, like, yeah. I'm going to try to get in the Guinness Book World Records for just how many times I have personally shit on something in one episode of a podcast. Mm, I don't think that will be the way they phrase it. Uh, it's because they're cowards. Okay. <laughs> so there's a guy in the comments of this article who says part of the re- part of the or in, in like parentheses and brackets or the entire problem with No Man's Sky is the lack of any kind of automation. You, the player, have to do everything. Capital and fleet ships should have automated systems for things like oh dot 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 say dot 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 oh he says dot 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 oh comma say dot 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 which is just excessive uh getting refueled you have to build everything repair everything make slash combine slash craft everything it's tedious and annoying as hell i would like to say guess what you're a fucking frontiersman dumbass that's what this game is about what do you think the people who created like america were just like oh yeah dude we did not have to worry about anything we we didn't cut down trees to build our houses we just had lumber no i mean i imagine i i mean as far as i know in american history they did not just have lumber readily available Mm. like right off the mayflower they were just like hey dude cool take this lumber i mean fine someone probably cut it first and then they could have taken it i mean it's very possible but i imagine all the supplies that they took with them uh did not include lumber because that would have really like limited what they could take to the new world but that's just me I, I think I'm just being pragmatic, but yeah, I, I might be being the dumbass, and it turns out they actually did, and hey, uh, even then, you'd still have to build your house, so F you, Ogrotten, whatever your name is. <laughs> you tell him, Vaughn. <laughs> so our last news story for today is over on Game Informer, and it is written by Joe Juba. Awesome <laughs> I like name. that last name. I really like that name. It's awesome. Uh, Dead Cells is going to mobile this summer. Um, so just you pretty much got it. That that that's it. It's coming to iPhone and iPad this summer. Um, it doesn't seem like it has a specific date yet, but this is quite exciting. Um, we actually talked about this, I believe, like a couple months ago on the podcast that that was uh, like rumored to possibly be coming to mobile because they accidentally added it to the store and then like took it away from the store. Mm-hmm. And I I think we both gave it a second. We're like, whoa, the control scheme on this game is going to be really annoying on mobile, and also. I mean, it would also be really cool on mobile. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I think it's great for accessibility. I'm sure there's a lot of people who will be psyched for this who don't have consoles and can easily get it since just about everyone has a phone right now. But I'm still not at all hyped for how this will feel. Like, just looking at the little bit that they show on the trailer of just having like all the skill buttons everywhere and just knowing how mobile games run and how like finicky it can be. I feel like 
this game will be 10 times harder which is saying something because this game is already hard like trying to dodge when all you can do is like swipe your finger against the phone and like smudge everything up like I, I don't know I just feel like it's gonna be impossible maybe they've figured it out I don't know I don't play a lot of mobile games so maybe I'm just bad at them uh but the pro gamer Josh the big Josh boy the big is Josh bad boy. at mobile games I must admit I, I failed you <laughs> That's crazy, dude. Yeah, I definitely agree. The control scheme from the small snippets I've seen does not look good. No. Uh, they have, like, button... Their button layout is, like, just all across the board. It's, like, fucking crazy. It's just everywhere. Yeah. I feel like you're just gonna be... Like, yeah, you're gonna be mashing all over where the enemies are. Like, I feel like it's gonna get so chaotic because you can't really look at the screen half the time. Yeah, I mean, it's really cool, and I hope this does a lot um, to, like, sell even more copies of Dead Cells, which um, Motion Twin has already sold a lot of copies. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's, I mean, of course, shoot for the stars, uh, but if anything, I I feel like this might actually, like, it might be a detriment to dead cells versus it actually being like an advantage yeah i'd love to see how much they actually get revenue wise based on this versus like how much it costs to get because they they use a third party uh developer for porting it right um developer motion twin and publisher uh play diogus something like that they they partnered they partnered to port it to mobile devices so i think they still developed it okay um mm. they just had like a publisher a publisher, a different publisher. okay yeah yeah because yeah. yeah, the the publishing on the consoles was done by merge i believe or at least that was the like physical version they might have independently published it mm. i'm not sure off the top of my head um but i guess maybe it's not as big of a deal then but i mean that's still a lot of development time to put that in when they could have been, say, working on DLC content or, you know, something else that could have potentially got them more money in other avenues. Yeah, I... This is special. They did just put out the, uh, I think, Rise of Giants or something like that DLC. The, like, free DLC. So yeah. they're definitely working hard and they're making some cool shit. So I'm very excited for this. I'm, I am I don't know how much the work they put into the mobile version, but I hope it goes really well for them. If, but if I'm being honest, I just don't think it will. <laughs> it, it looks like for a game like this hard and this uh, in a game that needs to be like it, it's so specific and it's you have to be pixel perfect in it. I feel mm-hmm. it's just it's not going to do well on mobile devices. But that's that's just me. Um, <laughs> I think it's I just I really want to talk about cram and stuff. So let's pop oh, into yeah. news cram 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 cram. So today on Newscram, we've got quite a few uh, news stories to talk about. First, over on IGN, they list the PlayStation Plus games that you can get in May. Um, that would be Overcooked and uh, What Remains of Edith Finch, I believe. Um, that's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, over on Twinfinite, they have an article out about Swords of Ditto uh, celebrating its new expansion with a new launch trailer, which is pretty awesome. I actually almost bought Swords of Ditto on my Switch the other day, and I was like, oh, you know what? Psh- uh, they have it on the PS4, so I can just buy it there. Damn. The Switch sucks. Did you, you know get what it? I mean? Whoa. <laughs> Shut your fucking mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get it on the PS4, though? No, I haven't bought it yet. <laughs> All right, then fuck you. <laughs> 
I'm serious. If you release like a physical version of something, I just impulse that buy. I, I impulse buy that shit like immediately. It's it's an issue. But digitally, I'm like, ah, wait, it'll go on sale. I'm not too worried about it. Because physical has the like possibility to run out. There's a limited amount. Versus digital copies, I'm like, ah, you'll sell this until the day I die. I'm not too worried about it. Mm, I mean, unless they stop. That's true. That's very true. Um, also over on Twinfinite is World of Goo is now free on the Epic Game Store. The next uh, free game coming to the Epic Game Store is Stories Untold. Um, on Twin, uh, not on Twinfinite, on Game Informer, we've got Darkwood comes to consoles later this month. Uh, that game looks weird. Yeah, it's, it's a big mess for me. Yep, yeah, it just it's, it looks like a lot of like uh, wet herpes people. This looks really disgusting. So, well, as opposed to dry herpes. Exactly. Yeah, wet things always more disgusting. Have you seen wet people? Wet, they're all pruny, pruny. And stuff? <laughs> Have you ever uh, like taken a bath and sit in it for a while? I don't generally Raisins, look at people disgusting. taking a bath. So, no, I'm saying you taking a bath and then you get out of the um, bath and you just look gross. I don't take a bath. Also, I'm I'm very beautiful. All right, don't you body shame me. Um. Uh, Pruny never looks good on anybody. I don't know. Have you ever seen? Imagine raisins? like Kate Upton. And she's Pruny. It's like, nah, dude. Did you just say raisins? Raisins are the most unappealing. Raisins look like nut sacks. I don't understand <laughs> how that's an appealing like fruit. <laughs> yeah, but they're or supposed snack. to look like that. They're supposed to look like nut sacks. Yeah, man. Because you tried to make something look like a nut sack means it's appealing. That's yep. like truck nuts should be the most popular selling thing ever. If <laughs> just because you tried to make it look like a nut sack, it's I mean, supposed to be popular. They're pretty popular among certain uh, communities. Yeah, I live in Idaho. There's a lot of truck nuts. Not even joking. I'm sure. <laughs> My brother has a pair of truck nuts. I'm not um, saying that I bought them for him as a Christmas present because I thought it was hilarious. But yeah, that's exactly what I did. Oh, so you. So you are saying that? No. Mm-mm. So you're uh, the next news story <laughs> is over on Twinfinite. Uh, that one is Just Shapes and Beats Hardcore Edition brings the action to PlayStation Four this month. Looks Just Shapes and dope. Beats are cool. Yeah, Look. we've definitely agrees on we agree on this. We agrees. It's like you catch a catch on to every. Oh yeah, I'm always listening. <laughs> It's okay. You yeah. can do it to me too. People, you're fuck listening up. very intently for me to mess up. People fuck up. I mean, it's it's just it's, it's quality entertainment. <laughs> uh, and the last news story in Newscram is Risk of Rain Two has already sold over one million copies in its first month. Ooh, ooh. Uh, so they actually talk about in this article that I think it took them five years or something like that. It's been um, in development for a long time. Oh, no, what I was going to say was uh, the first Risk of Rain, it took them, like, five years to sell a million copies. Oh, I'm wondering shit. what, like, has changed about Risk of Rain 2. Is it, like, is it I mean, the fact that it's... it's 3D. Well, that's what I was going to say. Is it the fact that it's 3D instead of a 2D, like, pixel platformer? Is it that uh, it's published by Gearbox, which might have given it a little bit more notoriety? Um, mm. I I don't know. I yeah. don't know what exactly is making it so much more popular. Yeah, so, I mean, I think, for one, the 3D helps because a lot of people get kind of phased off from 2D. There's It's a more niche thing, I feel like, half the time, especially since roguelikes, it's easy to get um, kind of watered down. You have to have like some unique mechanic in it. I think the 3D aspect definitely did help them. 
But one of the big things is really their marketing around it when they first came out. The fact that they were through Gearbox, the fact that they started giving it to to streamers to play, um, to actually hype other people up, the fact that they're, uh, they did those different uh, schemes like having it for the first um, the first couple, like I think it was two days, they did it where you can play with a buddy and you can buy the game for basically like 50% for each because it was buy it for 20 yeah, you bucks got which two is the, copies yeah exactly buy it for 20 bucks which is the full price but get two copies so like they did a lot of smart things at the start and they are actively keeping up with it like it's only been out for a month but they have had a couple of patches that have you know been pretty meaningful as far as like the reworks and rebalancing and changing the enemies um like specifically one of them was like the magma worm was a really annoying boss which still is but it, it's annoying in a different way that's a little bit better they changed up a lot about the like the op fire system in it that was killing people and so they're really listening to the community and getting people like engaged in it so i think they're just they're doing marketing in a very smart way um and it's just it's a really fun game it's um there's something about playing the same thing over and over again but still feeling a different experience every time you know what's so weird is that like 3D is it like you said 2D is more niche. It's like people it takes a special person to like 2D. Oh thanks. Um but like <laughs> 2D ages so much better than oh, 3D. Oh yeah, for does. sure. I mean, if you want to get serious like Risk of Rain 2 kind of looks like shit. <laughs> like I mean, <laughs> it's like I like the the style to it just because i've played it so much but like it's not gonna knock your socks off like there's there's a lot more you have to do in a 3d game to make it look appealing versus in a 2d game like you, you know what really makes it appealing pixel art this is pro tip here no huh if you want to make your game uh 3d and make it really appealing triangle boobs it's mm. immediate seller yeah it gets people <laughs> is that all it takes yeah then it's old tomb raider games best-selling games ever they were pretty good I, I did enjoy them. They were clunky yeah. as fuck, though. Like, if, <laughs> if I'm gonna be honest, but then again, most old games were, especially in that, like, that era. 3D was just a terrible time. If you want to be serious, yeah, it was a terrible time for regular shaped boobs. Uh, so it's time to move on to our last little segment of the podcast before we talk about a random question. Um, and that is God Bless the Crowd. This is where Josh goes into all sorts of different crowdfunding sites, finds some indie games for us to talk about. Today we have uh, Unbound. Uh, you explore beautiful handcrafted worlds by conjuring magic portals. Ooh. And uh, out, of the hat, uh, out of the Hat is an innovative puzzle platformer where you will be thrown in... A bizarre world. Yeah, it looks it looks like Alice in Wonderland. It's pretty interesting. So let's start off with Unbound. Unbound is a 2D platformer, and it actually looks really weird and cool at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this game, so, uh, at least from what it seems, is going to be very heavily puzzle-influenced because it doesn't look like you have any main mechanic on like attacking the enemies that are showing up. It's more of, like they said, going conjuring those portals and changing it to a different world. I think it's really cool just the the little mechanics that you could potentially do with that. And the art to this is really nice. Like I definitely like the way a lot of the worlds work or look 
and the way the creatures, some of those like evil creatures, the spider ones, like they do look really creepy. And I think the art was done very well. Um, but my concern with this is I feel like, like how much could you really do with this? Like, it looks like the mechanic is the same over and over again. Yeah, you just open up a portal. I, I don't know if maybe you'll unlock abilities to, like, put the portal, like, further away from you. Because it seems like you pretty much just summon the portal where you're currently standing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and I see that there's, like, there's certain mechanics where, like, based on the portal that you go through, you'll be able to interact with objects in different ways. So, like, you'll have to realize, you know, which which objects work in what terrain. But... I still don't know how much that will really offer long term. Yeah, um this game looks really really cool. I, I I definitely agree that it looks like it may not have a whole lot of like long lasting value. Mm. I don't know, it seems like between the two worlds like using your your portals, the the things that might make it a little bit more interesting is the fact that there could be hazards on both sides and you don't know right um so it seems like when there's a hazard in let's say like the green world you use the portal to the red world to uh like escape the green world to get past those hazards but then of course there could be like a spider or a crazy like monster um within the other world so yeah, it's all kind of interesting. I mean, I'm I'm excited to see how this turns out because, like you said, it does seem like certain portals will allow you to do certain things. Like, it has a little gameplay snippet where it, like, speeds up mm-hmm. your player character yeah. so you can jump. Uh, yeah, super speed. This portal allows you to run faster and jump higher. So you obviously get different kinds of portals, which I don't really understand how a portal to a different world would give you super strength but i guess that's just me (laughs) it's in the air (laughs) yeah it's i mean that one actually makes slightly more sense specifically because like the amount of gravity that could be but that's just me using science to explain a video game um but then there's like night vision i'm like okay that one doesn't make any sense i don't i don't get the night vision one how to okay whatever i don't know man um Specifically, the tiers aren't that bad, though. I mean, it's a $15 price point to actually get the digital copy uh, from Steam, it looks like. I don't see any other console types. It looks like it's just Steam. Um, But then, yeah, so if you put in 30, you get one extra key, and then you get other uh, tier stuff. So the digital, uh, it looks like an art book. Yeah. a bunch of man people are really using wallpapers lately i've seen this in the last couple of of runs yeah it's weird yeah they keep using these exclusive kickstarter wallpapers and it seems so strange to me these just popped up out of nowhere because i I never used to see all these it used to be just the like thanks but now they're trying to like up the ante but there's a wallpaper (laughs) i don't know yeah i've never been a big fan of like themes on my playstation 4 or like wallpapers in general i just like i i've had the same like i switched between my background on my computer i had a shovel knight one and then i switched it to a pixelated last of us uh background and i've had the same like the only two themes i've ever switched out on my playstation 4 which are basically just backgrounds i had I have the Hob one on right now, but before that, I had Jump Jet Rex, which played a really annoying song, which I just thought was hilarious. <laughs> That's a game I need to actually play. 
Not, Jump Jet Rex? Not that one. The Last of Us. Hob? Oh, The Last of Us? You haven't played The Last of Us? No, I have not. I'm not going to judge you because I barely play any of the games I purchase. What a fool. Yeah, I, I, a buddy <laughs> of mine is going to let me borrow it, though. So I'm going to. That'll probably be the next thing I talk about next week. <laughs> It is a fantastic game. Uh, did you notice that after you said that the tiers aren't that bad, uh, did you notice that uh, you have to pay $1,000 to get a figure? I mean, I would it's never... It's a limited edition 3D statue of Soli, the main character. Fuck off. That's $1,000. I would, $1, I would <laughs> never consider that, so it just wasn't even something I looked at. <laughs> <laughs> That's just an excessive amount. So just to give you a little bit of uh, knowledge on how much they're asking for, their goal is $25,000. Uh, they currently have 250 backers with 28 days left to go, and they have um, the amount that they currently have is $7,968. I'm assuming they will get funded. It, they're decently along for only a couple days in but once again i always make these assumptions that they're only a couple days in but they actually could have run like a 60 day or 40 day whatever uh no i'm pretty sure this is a new one so the right. only reason why i know specifically right now without looking at anything is because i check this pretty frequently and this one is fairly new i have not seen this one before so I'm going yeah, to you check it at least once a week. I'm going to, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, sometimes more, but, uh, but yeah, this is most likely a 30 day starting run. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Oh, I'll have to see because I want to see where it is next week to see if I think it'll, it'll make it. If there's a steady income through this, um, I think it deserves it. It looks really nice. And I think, like I said, for, the mechanics of it it'll be interesting i hope that there are additional portals than the ones they're talking about in the description and i'm sure maybe that'll come later um just because i don't know how the longevity of it will play out but i mean i still think it's worth the 15 bucks if you're interested in it yeah definitely seems pretty interesting um our last one game we have on god bless the crowd is out of the hat mm -hmm. so like i said this one looks like alice in wonderland it's pretty crazy uh they have kind of an excessive goal they want fifty six thousand dollars and fifty six thousand twenty one dollars is their goal they have 27 days left to go and 103 backers um, this one, it looks like they're shooting to get uh, ports on the, I'm assuming that's Discord's uh, like service. It has a weird like logo. Uh, the Nintendo Switch and Steam. I'm trying to look. Sorry. I'm, I, I don't know where you found that. Uh... It's like on their like, uh, trailer at the top. Oh. They have it in the top uh, left corner. Oh, yeah. I don't know what that is. That. I guess that would be Discord, but that doesn't look like the Discord logo. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not 100% certain. I, I think I've just seen it before, and it might be Discord, but I don't see them clarifying anywhere like in this what it's currently on. Uh, so you're a big fan of Alice in Wonderland. Are you super excited about this? It's just a puzzle platformer, but it has that really un like interesting mechanic where you toss the hat and teleport to it. So it's kind of like how we, uh, there was the indie game Dagger Hood mm -hmm. that came out, um, like I think last month or the month before, where you teleport to the dagger you throw. This one instead is you teleport to your hat, but uh, your hat does not, you, you don't throw it straight. It actually has an arc like most grenades do in like third person shooters grenade hat 
Yeah, a grenade has. It's just going to blow up. Yeah. Turns out it's not a pixel platformer or a puzzle platformer. It's a third-person action RPG. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, I didn't really like Daggerhead, to be honest, though. But uh, this one looks interesting. I am, like I said, uh, or I guess like you said, uh, a fan of Alice in Wonderland, so I like the aesthetic to it and the style that they're going for. I don't really know much about it though because it's like it, it the main premise is you're just this like girl who wakes up in a strange world and so all you really see is a few clips of you running through and throwing your hat um i like i'd want to see if there's actual like like is there boss fights is this just exploration like i don't know how this i didn't really see anything about that i feel like the mechanic of throwing the hat is interesting but would get old really quick um which kind of goes into the same thing i was talking about for the last game we were talking about is i don't know see these these type of games like i enjoy platformers but when it comes to the slower pace of platformers where it's more like puzzle based it always reminds me of like a trine-esque game and i just I'll play them, enjoy them for the first like hour or so, and then just really drop off halfway through because it'll just be more of the same. Um, and I don't know, this feels like I would get the same kind of feeling to it halfway through. Um, I don't know if I'm making myself clear on that, but it just seems like this would be something that I would like at first but wouldn't want to continue playing. Yeah, it'll just get tedious doing yeah. the same things over and over again without necessarily challenge. Like games, they can all games are really repetitive, but as long as the gameplay loop is fun, um, it being repetitive isn't an issue. Mm-hmm. But if tossing your hat is like the only thing you get to do, that seems like it would get boring real quick. Yeah, and it looks like they mentioned that there's going to be other parts of it and this might be just you know me judging it too early because i I mean that's the thing that kind of sucks with kickstarters is you sometimes forget that kickstarters are uh well most people are all in different you know stages but you forget because you'll see some kickstarters that are so fully flushed out that you expect that almost from a game and it's it's kind of unfair because literally the point of kickstarter is that they're trying to fund an idea and this is just to get you into the mindset of like what it could be or will be so maybe i'm judging it too hard or too quickly at this point because you know they have this one mechanic and they're saying that there's going to be additional things that they're trying to come up with so it's it's obviously one of those things where i have to feel like is the storyline or is the the main portion that's been shown something more of what i would like um but at the same time i don't know really i haven't been sold on it just yet this isn't like like this isn't something i would back uh i'd like to see it get back just to see what it becomes um because then i would fund it you know later as in fund it by purchasing the game if it it. was worth it but right now this wouldn't be something i would put my money into so i kind of wonder what if there are like statistics about how many games that have like failed kickstarters still end up coming to like still end up actually seeing a full release Mm. just not like a not not seeing like a finalized release kind of a thing like they they didn't get to include everything they wanted to but they got to include what they had already had done and a little bit more i i'm wondering if there's some sort of statistic on that i'm sure there yeah and i don't know about the statistic part but i'm sure there's a majority of individuals who do because like 
something like this this is like a like a studio working on this so i'm assuming that even if they don't get the funding it'll just become something different maybe they'll cut back on certain areas and whatnot um but for projects where it's like you know the one person two person group it might be different because you know kickstarters like i said they're all in different areas all different stages of life and all different individuals who are working on it a studio versus someone's side project is going to be much different in the statistics of whether or not they continue because obviously a studio has multiple people who are like, well, we still have to all survive versus someone who's doing this as a side job might just be discouraged and be like, well, fuck it. No one wants it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. They have 17 members in their development studio. Not a number does the developers of this game. Yeah. So that's like, that's what I mean is like, I'm sure that they would still want to actually create this. It just might be a little bit different based on what happens. Also, I want that jacket yeah that jacket's really cool yeah (laughs) so um if you back like a kickstarter for something that's like physical do you know if do they send you those like immediately or do they have to actually like meet their goal and then they send them out well they won't yeah so if you buy something like that like you put in the money to what is it at it's at um what price point? The price point doesn't matter. Anyway, so say the tier you have to put in six, $60 or whatnot to get some physical thing. If It's 80 pounds for the jacket. 80 pounds for the jacket. Okay, Whew, that is an expensive jacket. Anyway, so if you pay the 80 pounds, you will not receive any jacket unless this hits its goal. Hmm. So yeah, that checks out. Yeah, <laughs> so it's the same. Like it's the same concept of actually getting the game. If nothing. If it does not make it to that 56000 that they're asking for, nothing. It, it basically is like nothing ever happened. All right. Sweet. But that's that's specific to Kickstarter. There's So like Indiegogo will have the option to, to set it in their campaign where they can say, no matter what, I'm going to take the amount of money that gets sent to me. And then it's kind of like a up in the air of like what happens after that, which is a weird thing. Yeah, I guess that's what's kind of nice about Kickstarter is you actually have to have a successful campaign to accept people's money. Um, right. But then also you don't necessarily have to follow up with the product after that. You could just disappear off the map. Exactly. Yeah. So it's it's kind of shitty. Like if you do that, you're a terrible person. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> but uh, you really never know. Like there's sometimes like what was that one game we talked about where like years later they were like oh we're starting to work on development now oh it's like project phoenix or something fuck those guys (laughs) yes they're in the final stages of development i'm like you haven't even started (laughs) shut up yeah so you never know who you're gonna get uh which is obviously the risk so it's i mean that's the thing is like with kickstarter it's it's an awesome thing but there is a lot of risk to it like you have to believe in the product and the person that's doing this if not you're giving your money away for nothing. Yeah, I mean it's a big risk reward thing. You it seems like often enough games that get uh, actual like launches after kickstarters, they're released to some some critical acclaim or at least that might just be my knowledge of it because I play the games that like are critically acclaimed. Yeah, I think but, I think that's a that's a bias to the Yeah, fact that, that definitely seems you like you only really special. know about the ones that get popular because they do get popular and the the others just kind of get swept under the rug. 
Yeah, yeah, that's very true. I think it's about time we move into our random question of today. So what I wanted to know, and this is because of kind of the, uh, I want to say fiasco, but I feel like that's a weird way to say it. Just the the general vibe around Days Gone's reviews scores. Uh, so I want to know if you think that the games industry should have a central reviewing score system. So basically, I'm not talking about, like you brought up earlier before the podcast, you asked if I was talking about Metacritic. That is an aggregate site that takes all of the uh, scores and puts them together to, like, it's like, oh, okay, these are the scorings that it gets, so it has an accumulative, like, 80%. Kind of like Rotten Tomatoes is an aggregate uh, for different review scores. That's not necessarily what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, and this is just to explain for the for the listeners. Um, no, I'm talking okay. about. I'm so dumb, I forgot, and you have to tell me twice. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> um, I'm talking about should every site adhere to a specific system? Um, that way, like even if you hated the game, you're so. Let's say somebody liked Today's Gone, somebody hated it. If you use the same system, um. It would still, you'd still get two different numbers, but it wouldn't be like super weird. So we, I have written reviews for two different sites now, and I'm uh, three if I include the stuff I did independently, but I've written reviews for two different sites and our review scaling system is completely different. Mm -hmm. Um, So something I might have rated like a six for Handsome Phantom might've been like a seven or a four or something like that for Parallax. (laughs) That's a big jump. Yeah, no, that's just a random aside. That's not literal. I I think it's, yeah, I think it's roughly the same, but I was wondering if, if you think that we should like as an industry, create a review system that's all encompassing that we all use, but you're not necessarily like super limited to it. It's just like, okay, here are the guidelines. So if you think this game is total, absolute garbage, like you should never play it. (laughs) Anybody who thinks that about a game, it gets a two. So then it's like, everybody understands that people who give that a two think that game's garbage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I should preface this. Sorry to interrupt. I should preface this with saying, I actually don't like review scores because I think they're really reductive. Um, but that's kind of why I wanted to ask, ask this question because I hate how often reviews vary and it's not because just because it's a subjective viewpoint. It's because, uh, like review scores for each site are different. Um, so that's, I, it seems like that is a part of why reviews tend to fluctuate so much, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I think it's a good point. Um, I'm I'm with you there of like being kind of against the actual number or like scores to a game because it does detract from the actual like unique cre- like it puts every game on the same format which is kind of the reason why I'm a little against standardization of scores because what you do is you almost silence creativity in a way because you're basically setting a standard that all games have to equate to this generic number based on a subset of rules so granted this this is good in one way because yes now people are on for the most part the same page there's always going to be some variation because people are going to have their own different opinions on what each number means as far as like to them it might be a little different but that would be limited if there was a standardized scoring system the only problem with that then is as i mentioned before 
you're squashing the creativity for different games because it, it's hard to to state a score for games when there's so many different genres so many different unique experiences that are coming out of video games like try to compare what a nine means on fifa versus a nine on say the messenger like they're not the same they're not the same because there's different people that played it there's different mechanics that are in it and there's different styles and themes to these games which I'm kind of just harping on the scoring system in general now, but it puts it in a weird perspective where I don't think a standardized rule would work. I think it might if maybe the major gaming sites decide to kind of team up on it, but then at the same time, I don't think they would ever do that because you're essentially... Taking away their individuality. Yeah, <laughs> like it's like I said, you're taking away the creativity of what a review means. You're taking the creativity of what a score represents. Um, and at the end of the day, I wish I could say we should just take scores out altogether, and then it would be you know just descriptions of how a person experienced a game and how they whether or not they recommend that experience for another, but. I'll be the first to also admit that if I'm looking at a game and I want to know about it, I'm going to look for that score because I'm going to base that on whether or not I want to buy this game. And as a consumer, it's super easy for me to go in and say, is this a good or bad game? IGN, Kotaku, Polygon, whoever I want as my main source, Parallax Media, you know, you might go there and say, okay, they gave it this score. I trust those people. I'll, you know, read up on their review, but because it already had that underlying nine, eight, seven, whatever it might be, I'm more willing to purchase that product. So although I argue against it at the same time, I think it's good for the consumer in certain ways. Yeah, it's kind of weird. The like the invention of review scores isn't bad. It actually kind of like it helped the games industry because then their like reviews were shortened from 5,000 words to a thousand words and a number can get across a lot Mm -hmm. about a game. Um, But it also the way that people started to like, like the way consumers started to use those review scores um, is what kind of tainted it in a weird way Mm -hmm. because like, I, in my opinion, review scores are bad now, mostly because people see a review score and they don't know what went into that. They just see the score and they don't actually read the review. They're just like, all right, it got like a four, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it turns out that that game might have been rated before like patches came out, before stuff like that. So oh, that's what I yeah. wanted to talk about with Elex. Um, and the same thing happened with Days Gone. Apparently, with Days Gone, uh, some like copies of the game were given to people several weeks in advance before any patches had come out. Mm -hmm. Um, So people would play it and they would review it based on what they had played. And then when patches came out, they might've fixed some of the bugs that had been plaguing it that might have tainted the review scores that might actually given it a leg up. So like uh, Colin Moriarty talks about how days gone might've been given a six, but it might've been bumped up to a seven if the reviewer had played it just maybe a week later. Um, and I'm thinking that might have been what's happening with Elex is like Elex when I played it might have 
kind of sucked because it was super unbalanced, but maybe now it's getting positive review scores because they had fixed it. Mm. Um, yeah, no, I mean, that's a that's a legit theory because if IGN had given it that lower score, it would make sense since IGN is one of the, you know, the websites that will give out scores sometimes even before a game is actually released. Yeah, depending on the embargo, it definitely does. The I'm definitely not blaming like IGN for anything. Um, I think they had a pretty like comprehensive Days Gone review, and I've listened to several different like spoiler casts about Days Gone, and it seems like pretty much everyone have has like hit and harped on the same issues with the game. Which, from what I've heard, I would give it a lower score. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also haven't played the game yet, so I I never would review a game without playing it. But I'm. Um, <laughs> I'm not blaming IGN for anything. I'm just like bringing up that fact that like maybe there was something wrong with it beforehand. But yeah, I just wanted to know your opinion on like a standardizing review scale. Yeah. Um, I, I I just I really hate review scores. They really <laughs> yeah. I I definitely don't. I think it would be nice in some senses, but I don't think it would be good for the ultimate you know path or direction for where the game industry is going. Um, but kind of what we talked about brought up like another question is really your point was more later at least for the days gone piece when is it like the right time to review a game like does like we're in a world where now games are evolving things so like is this something where a review like it should have multiple review scores like you know post-launch six months out of launch like a year out of launch like we're getting into a weird spot where games have to be re-reviewed constantly because and now we even have like early review like early access reviews like uh you know it's a weird it's a weird time because there's no standardization on that piece which i think would help at least make it a little bit easier to not like a standardization of it if like you have to do it but it would be nice to have more consistent rules or you know guidelines on like how these medias follow certain games you know because if i look at something like fallout 76 now it might be a little different than when it first came out well i know it, it's a lot different but you know it, it still might be bad but it's not as bad it's getting better kind of a thing so it's like it's a weird place for for a consumer who wants to get into a game that's evolving yeah something i also did want to bring up is like Metacritic by itself, I think, actually, like, kind of is a detriment to reviews and, like, games in general because it's an aggregate score and it can be really brought down by, like, one or two negative reviews. Like, if you ever check out some reviews, like, four people can give it a hundred, but then, or like, let's say 10 people give it a hundred, which generally never happens this specific scenario, but then somebody gives it a four and it tanks its review score. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's just so weird. It's like uncomfortable. So yeah, I'm wondering that was just a random aside with Metacritic. The reason that I don't necessarily like review aggregates. Um, but another issue that might come up and I don't know if this is true or not. It's just something I was thinking about. I don't know if Metacritic, actually changes the review score if you were to go and re-review um fallout 76 and give it a higher score i don't know if they would change it if they would actually like so let's say ign gave it a six or whatever and then uh like a year later they re-reviewed it and gave it an eight 
I don't know necessarily if Metacritic would change that six in their system to an eight, which mm. means that that game would constantly be known as a six. Like anybody who looked it up would check Metacritic. I mean, I often check Metacritic, even though I, I'm basically just being a hypocrite because I don't <laughs> like Metacritic, but I use it because it it's just easier. Um, but yeah, it would be like constantly tainted. It, it would have like a scarlet letter, even though now it's much better. Yeah. So I guess the easiest way to do this would probably be to check out like No Man's Skies um, Metacritic rating. Because if it's really good now, it would totally make sense because people have like re-reviewed it. Mm-hmm. And now the Metacritic score should be higher. But if it's still super low, it means that they don't update it. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of why I enjoy like um, Steam their review system because they'll have their overall time and then they'll have their most like recent reviews so it's basically like that last couple of like months or so um yeah i do like this steam does that as well yeah i and i do like that it doesn't give it a number it just tells you like a vague description it's like a, like mostly positive or whatever so you're like oh okay people tend to like this game yeah it's not just like nine and i'm like i don't know what a fucking nine means it does technically give a score like if you hover over it it'll show you a percentage so it goes based on a percent of people who have rated it positively and based yeah. on that that's why if you look on like google when you first search for something it'll have like it'll say steam and it'll give it like a seven point whatever out of 10 and you're like where's this number coming from it does just take the percentage of positive versus negative and then puts that together and that is what gives it the either positive mostly positive or whatever yeah yeah it does actually have a percentage i i don't know i just like the weird vague description of it because (laughs) it's just straightforward it says mostly positive i'm like i get that seven i don't get that is that like is that is that positive do you guys like sevens like do seven suck? Uh, I mean, for are you saying to me? <laughs> are you saying to Steam? No, I'm saying Steam <laughs> I specifically. Mean, Steam, because put- that's what I'm talking about. Is like nobody has the same review scale. So like I have seen review scales where sevens suck. Yeah, like, that, that is have, that is. They're weird. listed as bad games, and I'm like, but it's a seven. I know. Yeah, it's like seven should mean it's like it's good. I mean, it's is- something like a. F- it is kind of weird though because like if you think about it like a seven like if you if you're thinking about like school you got a 70 you got a c you fucking suck like <laughs> i don't know if you suck you're just no you you're suck. like moderate All right. fucking that would suck. be like a fucking like a, okay you're good you at least passed you. c's get degrees big boy i mean i guess i mean so do d's so <laughs> no they don't sometimes i mean in high school once you get to college that shit don't fly yeah that's true <laughs> <laughs> and i guess you don't even uh i guess d's get you diplomas haha <laughs> what's up i mean lower end diplomas <laughs> Fucking uh, scrub. <laughs> we're obviously petering out here so i think that's a good time to end this podcast thank you guys so much for listening if you guys would like to check us out outside the show you can follow me at high legion on twitter and you can follow josh at the underscore george 90 super fun to talk to us talk about uh how n64 controllers complete dog shit we both agree <laughs> on that point uh <laughs> that it makes you look like a crab so that's a a thing now i give a little bit of context asking you if they played with n64 controllers in your weird crab song and now people understand you gotta that was a delayed joke mm-hmm. it was like a it was a very long fuse piece of dynamite yeah. if you know what i mean for those who stuck yeah. around you really benefited from it <laughs> Yeah, you obviously like that one. It 
you had to wait, but yeah. it it definitely had to pay off. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes patience. It's a you know, it's a gift. Yeah, it's a virtue. Uh, <laughs> if you guys would like to check out our written content, or at least Josh's, you can pop over on Parallax Media. They're doing all sorts of cool stuff there. Uh, Josh just put up a lot of awesome interviews, and uh, they're doing a lot of cool stuff over there. So make sure you guys check it out. You can of course check out our Twitter account. That's at IndiePod on Twitter. Super easy to find. Uh, pretty much just tell you when the new new episodes are up. So yeah, I mean you can follow me to do that, but. I'm just super lazy with Twitter. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, all good. We'll figure it out. Yeah. One day. Make sure you subscribe to us on uh, your favorite podcast service, that being Spotify, iTunes. Uh, we have Google Podcasts. You can subscri- subscribe to the Parallax Media YouTube channel. And, of course, you can check out the Podbean feed itself. Uh, that's it for us today. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye, guys. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.